Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, friendo, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw Countout. It's top 10 wrestling show right here, youtube.com forward slash Steven Larson. And it's also available wherever fine podcasts can be found. If you're listening to us in the audio realm, leave us a rating review or a comment. It really does help boost the exposure of the show. We're also on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Steven Larson. We have a variety of reward tiers over there, Larson, including the recently uh, we, we decided to start putting. So we, we'd like live stream on Twitch sometimes like we did. Uh, well, today's Friday and is going up Saturday. And uh, we cursed a lot because we were playing WWE 2K Towers. And we're trying to oh, win that so million dollars. So frustrating. I'm just going to put it's on the Twitch channel. But it's at the Twitch channel if you want to check it out there. But I'm also putting it on the Patreon for like the dollar patrons. Good. So if you want to hear us curse during playing video games, you could do it because we're not going to put it up on the proper YouTube channel. Uh, anyways, we have a, a variety or I'm sorry, we got a bunch of new patrons in. I'm going to give them some shout outs. Good idea. Great idea. Uh, John Dix, Eric Combs, Matthew J. Richards, Ethan Benjamin, Gordo Loco and El Mezqueto. Thank you for your support. Thank you, everybody. It really goes a long way. Even really one dollar goes a long way. It truly does. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, past couple week or t- kept week or two, the past week or two have been pretty interesting for the yes, world of pro wrestling. That it has. A new company has emerged, Larson. All Eat Wrestling. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people are saying, well. Are they going to compete with WWE? How can they compete with WWE? Who's going to compete with WWE? Okay, okay, listen. They haven't even put on their next show yet. We don't know what network they're going to be airing on. We don't know really much about them, except that they have like nine people signed to the company. Quality names. Yes, all. They got a dedicated fan base. I wish them well. But it also got us thinking, hmm. Hmm. Who out there actually has competed with WWE? Or at least tried. There's basically one company, but a bunch have tried. Yeah. And if the stars had aligned, some of these companies might have actually succeeded. Others, it would have taken a bit more than the stars aligning, but the seeds were there. For each for each of these companies, I think the seeds were there, yeah. at least. Well, I think they all kind of hit the, the, the basic uh, uh, criteria. You needed a, a roster with decent talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need a TV deal that at least had something resembling a national reach. In almost every situation here, talent has been poached from the, yes. uh, from these places by WWE. That's yeah, been the, the, the thing since the early 80s, man. Yeah. 
Totally. It's hard um, for anybody to keep their talent because WWE will open up their checkbook. But that's been the most interesting thing about all elite wrestling so far is that WWE has thrown a lot. I mean, if what Melzer said about the offers extended to the Young Bucks. Wow. Wow. And they still elected not to go there, which is, I think, reason number one why I'd consider all elite wrestling, you know, an early solid competitor to WWE in that if they're able to prevent WWE from doing business as usual, you're kind of competing with them in a way. Yeah. Um, But we're going to get right into this. All elite wrestling is on this list. Very low, but not as low as number 10. 10. So here it goes. Number 10. 10. ECW. Now, here's the thing. For ECW to truly compete on a national level with WWF at the time, they would have had to have watered down their product. Now, when they finally got their national TV deal in 1999. It was on on TNN. TNN, yeah. Yeah. Um, It eventually became the highest rated show on the network. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else was on other than country music videos um, at the time. Which is surprising because I think country music videos at the time especially were pretty popular. Oh, that was like a boon period for country music, you know? Toby Keith. Yeah, Toby Keith. (laughs) Toby Keith was actually later. Toby Keith later. is actually a lot. I mean, what's uh, Garth Brooks is actually earlier. Earlier, yeah. yeah. So this was this is after who Alan is Jackson. Who is it that? John Michael Montgomery. Okay. I don't even know who that is. Um, the, uh, the, Faith the, Hill, Tim McGraw. Yes. Yes. Faith Hill, Tim what McGraw. What about the... Brooks and Dunn. No, the, the three girls in that... Dixie Chicks. Yes. Yes, Dixie Chicks. Yes, very much. This is the Dixie Chicks era of So it was the Dixie Chicks and ECW on the same network. Yeah. Right? The Nashville Network. Yeah. Okay. Um, you like they, they had all sorts of problems with, you know, the TNN not wanting them to do their thing. Man. And then eventually they kicked them off their network so they could bring Raw over. <laughs> That's right. Man, it's That's supposed to be like right. a three-year deal. And yeah. a year into it, TNN goes, no, we want WWE to be here with Dixie Chicks yeah. and Tim McGraw and Faith yeah, Hill. Yeah. Not ECW. But if you look at, I mean, the sad thing about ECW <laughs> is that, the sad thing about ECW is that, man, they just got picked apart by everybody. Yeah, man. Like, Bischoff started stealing their luchadors and their cruiserweights. And eventually he took Say Man and called him Hardcore Hack. <laughs> WWF. I mean, come on. Say Man's great and all in ECW. Yeah. Yeah, he's not gonna be able to do anything fun in, in WCW. Talk about especially named Hardcore Hack. Yeah, that was kind. That was kind of. Bunk. And then they called him Hack. They that, just took the hardcore part out of it. That was pretty bunk. Remember when he was the surfer? Yeah, Sandman? that was great. Yeah. yeah, surfer Sandman. Yeah, that was great. That was awesome. Before he became like Hardcore mm-hmm. Sandman. Yeah. In Eastern Championship Wrestling. Anyway, we're getting way off base. I feel like this could be kind of a goofy episode of Countdown. I think so too. Um, so the last thing we got to shoot today on a Friday. Woo! Uh, so yeah, man, I think like EC to, and then on top of that, like Paul Heyman seemed to be just a terrible businessman on top of that. Apparently he was a fantastic motivational speaker. Yeah. He was able to convince a lot of these wrestlers that wrestling for nothing was okay. He also convinced them that wrestling without a paycheck was, you know, like, oh yeah, the paycheck's in the mail. Just go out there and take 15 unprotected hair headshots. This is interesting. So this is just from Wikipedia. So, um, but apparently at the time of, uh, ECW's closure, in uh, early 2001, April 2001, they had liabilities that totaled almost $9 million. And some of this is interesting. Uh, there was wrestlers listed as uh, people he owed money to, and apparently it ranged from $2 for Sabu. That's weird. He owed Sabu $2. Uh, 
Um, RVD, though, $150,000. That's a pretty big discrepancy there. Uh, Shane Douglas, $145,000. Tommy Ouch. Dreamer, $100,000. Ouch. Rhino, $50,000. Francine, almost $50,000. Man. But people loved working for Paul Heyman. I, yeah, I think they they were, they were believed in what he was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And, they, I mean, for a spell, for like three years there, their product was like killer. It oh, really yeah. was. It was oh, great. Yeah. Um, and Until everybody see, started leaving. You see, yeah, everybody started leaving. People would spend, you know, just a moment there and then move on to one of the big two brands. Um, and then Paul Heyman had problems also with the uh, with the pay-per-view companies. Like, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be they, – they started not to pony up. I think he said at one point, like, one of those pay-per-view companies owed him, like, $2 million. And so it was difficult at that point to then pay his wrestlers yeah, because, yeah, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then he would just be dumping money into that thing left and right. Yeah. Um, and, and they then, always had kind of a weird relationship with WWF. Yeah, that was weird. Because like in 96, I think early 97, there was like a cross-promotional thing mm-hmm. that had Lawler involved. And I guess also, it was also uh, USWA was involved somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought it was in the Heyman documentary or something else where Vince was, wasn't he sending Paul Heyman money? Yeah, I think he was floating him checks. Yeah. 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 To keep the company afloat. And there's kind of talent exchanges and like Al Snow was sent down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To ECW, you know, when he wasn't Leaf Cassidy anymore. Yeah. To come up with a new gimmick and stuff. So. Yeah, kind of weird, but, and, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe if, if they had a network that really, really believed in them. I mean, like you said, I'm not sure. ECW, to me, always felt like the kind of thing that made complete and total sense at the time for what it was, and if it grew and became more popular, it would simply die, mm-hmm. and that's basically what happened because if you're going to grow, you need more of an audience, and, you know, when you have stuff happening like the mass transit incident, you know, the people aren't going to be into that. Nobody wants to see that kind of stuff. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, it's not terribly surprising. Could they have competed with WWE? Like the stars, super would have had uh, had to have aligned. Mm-hmm. But I think Paul Heyman probably likes to think so. So th- th- that's got some validity to it. Yeah. Moving on, number nine. Nine. All Elite Wrestling. We're just going to talk about them right now. Hey, look. Like we said. Uh, Melter in the newsletter this week mentioned that WWE uh, offered the Young Bucks um, a deal. AJ Styles money. AJ Styles money. And they would have a six-month window where they could get out of their three-year deal if they didn't like their creative. And they already had a path out. Triple H already came prepared with a path outlined from the Rumble. To Mania. To Mania. Uh, Wow. Wow, like a huge, huge thing. And they still said no. And they still said no. Um, we also, there's also been reports that uh, WWE wrestlers, um, sort of obviously off the record, um, are sort of waiting to see how legit All Elite is, what their TV looks like. Yeah, that's going to be the massive thing. If they get that's going to be the big thing. If they get a, a TV deal with a, a nationwide carrier you know. or a station like TBS, like TNT. But Very funny. They know drama. The true. Um, yeah. Um, that's going to be huge because that's 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 the, a reach that's going to rival USA, if not surpass it. I don't know if USA, because USA is like what ninety million homes. Uh, I I would imagine it's sort of I comparable. Thought, yeah, like, probably comparable. Probably in the same. Like whenever I think of TNT, I think oh yeah, USA. Yeah, it's all right basic there. cable packages. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um so you know there's that and there's you know obviously people are Jericho himself said you know there's two good TV deals on the table. That's why he was confident signing there as opposed mm-hmm. to WWE. Mm-hmm. And apparently he received the best contract of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether strictly from a financial standpoint or a combination of financial plus dates he has to work, who knows? But um, it seems like a pretty sweetheart deal. They have the, the, the financial backing of the 
215th most rich person on the planet. Oh, okay. It's either, I think he's in the top 200 or 120. I think he's like t- top 200. He's worth several billion dollars. He's worth seven, I think around $7 billion. Um, incidentally, uh, Jeff Bezos, the Amazon guy, he's about to go through a divorce. He's going to lose half of his fortune. He doesn't have a prenup. So now him and his wife are going to be tied for seventh richest person in the world. They're going to drop from first to seventh wow. tied. Hit that guy up for some wrestling money. We might have his mind on other things right now. Probably. For one thing, you want to get a piece of Jeff. But now you're going to be signing a prenup if you're going to marry that dude. Believe that. Anyways. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all Elite Wrestling. Uh, you know, the, the jury's still out, but obviously all the excitement over it, plus a lot of people who are kind of hating on it, uh, you know, obviously they, they, they've captured something. They're on a road to something. You know, they seem to have some fun. You know, virtually every single one of these, it all boils down to, is there a vision behind the product and can people put their egos aside and do what's best for the product. And basically, all these on this list haven't been able to do that. Just wait till we talk about Pro Wrestling USA. <laughs> exactly. So, if, you know, they've got a lot of money, they've got good heads. It's just, it, the, the thing is, is the audience out there and are advertisers out there for the audience? Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, one of the reasons going back to ECW that it didn't work is because the advertising dollars for pro wrestling, even during its biggest boom period in the Attitude Era, weren't there. Advertisers still did not believe in the wrestling dollar. Um, that might that probably have changed. You know, by and large, thanks to WWE's PG era, where they've opened things up to families. Now advertisers <laughs> just ruled to throw all sorts of dollars. I would think that's wrestling. changed the perception, you yeah, know, like yeah. they've sort of created this new landscape where maybe something like Ollie wrestling can work. We've already seen that they've been able to, um, I'm not going to say poach, but they've been able to prevent um, some big, big free agent names from going there. Mm-hmm. Other people mm-hmm. might be second guessing. Oh, maybe I don't want to go to WWE. Maybe I'm going to go to Ollie wrestling. Mm-hmm. 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 Moving on. Number eight, eight, Wrestling Society X. So uh, this show aired on MTV was apparently funded by MTV. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the talent roster, wow. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's really impressive. The first match was Jack Evans versus Matt Seidel. Yeah. Um, Seth Rollins was in there. Yeah. There was some it, kind of interesting. There uh, there were a couple of uh, holdovers from XPW. Yeah. Chris Kloss, their announcer, was the announcer for XPW. And uh, Chaos. Kid Chaos. Kid was, Chaos was, was there. Was the hardcore there, yeah. kid was there who also ended up in uh, WWE. No, oh, Vic Grimes was. Uh... He was the guy that stabbed John Cena. Scorpio Sky was there. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Wow, look at that. Um, so, yeah, this aired on MTV. And Matt like, Cross, too. Like you've sort of said. Oh, wow, that's cool. Like you've sort of said. Um, oh, yeah, X-Pac. And X-Pac, that's right. Vampiro, too. Vampiro mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. one of their buckers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, if you have a big national TV deal, then you, you might have a chance. Just Incredible is there. Uh, you might have a chance yeah. to, to compete with WWE. Um, Brian Zane, like four years ago, I, I watched this, a bit of his video last night. He did a great video on Wrestling Society X, and he said it's the perfect wrestling promotion for people with uh, uh, attention deficit disorder. Yeah. Because he was like, all the matches 
where it was just high spot after high spot. They did the thing where there were no mats on the outside, but I swear every time they got in the, every time Seidel, I just watched the first match, Seidel and Jack Evans got in the ring, they were basically just setting up to do a spot where they would jump down from outside the ring to the floor. And we don't have concretes here. Or we, don't, we don't have mats on our floor. It's just concrete. Oh, my God. That's not a good thing, no, man. Yeah, That's I'm, not I'm, a good I'm thing. I remember watching some of the early episode, episodes. And, yeah, like production <laughs> value was all over the place. But here's the thing. There were only early episodes because well, it only yeah, lasted no. 10 episodes. Well, I think only, yeah, nine episodes. Nine were aired and yeah. 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah, the last one didn't. Uh, didn't make the cut. I don't know if it's on your. Do you think it's on your DVD? The I don't know. I, go one? Check. I don't know. But I like looking here on 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 Wikipedia. So it ran from January thirtieth, two thousand seven, to March fourteenth, two thousand seven. And every main event is some sort of well, not every, but basically every main event is some sort of weird gimmick match. Yeah, exploding cage match, tables, ladders, and cervezas. Uh, isn't there a, a piranha one too? Something involving piranhas. I thought. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a piranha tank death match. Oh, that was the unaired one. I'm Prana sad that death match and exploding cage time bomb match, man, that sounds right for a tape trade episode. It's not, it's just a thing where it's like they were taking what worked with ECW almost a decade prior and think it was still working 2006. Yeah. But then you found this quote here. Yeah, this was good. There was a great uh, article back in 2014. I'll link to it in the description. Um, and the, the article was actually, uh, it was talking about the launch of Lucha underground Mm -hmm. and uh, the history of other promotions competing Mm -hmm. or attempting to compete with WWE. And one of the people they reached out with uh, reached out to was, I think his name is Kevin Kleinrock. Yeah. yeah. And he was a producer on uh, wrestling society. And he said, uh, because it was funded by the network quote, and they wanted something to explode or someone to get electrocuted almost every week. It had to be crazy. So we had standards and practices worried about kids doing these things at home and executives worried about fans getting bored by traditional wrestling. Um, so that's interesting. You had, you know, standards and practices. People, you know, you always hear that division mentioned in WCW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, trying to keep it so it's TV safe. Yeah. They had executives over at MTV that wanted more crazy stuff to happen. So people would <laughs> think that's why people would tune in. This is funny, though, because the next quote here is uh, the the article goes on. After sinking three point six million dollars into the venture, Kleinrock claims MTV lost interest. We were on for four weeks and they pretty much showed the rest of the episodes in a marathon. They were just they were done with it. This quote's pretty good from uh, Kevin Kleinrock. Quote, when you try to make it too different from WWE, you turn off the sorry. When you try to make it too different from WWE, do you turn off the average wrestling fan too much? But on the other hand, when you try to duplicate WWE, you get TNA or WWE Lite. Ring of Honor is great, but they can't compete on the entertainment or production side. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's funny. Like, WWE is essentially sort of the standard in pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. And so that's one big question we have about all wrestling is, what are they going to look like? Mm -hmm. What are they going to look like? What are they going to present? Is it going to look like all in? Uh, Are they going to have snazzier production value? What, What are their story builds going to look like what are their backstage segments going to look like yep you do you do have the risk of well we don't want to be mtv light but we also don't want to run off wrestling fans we want to do something different i'm not sure for example the production value on being the elite which is just iphone stuff with Mm -hmm. no mics Mm -hmm. that's not going to fly on cable no they have mics they have have a boom up for some of the stuff yes some of the stuff but man i don't know when's the last time you watched it they still like so much of it is still oh yeah yeah, cameras over here Three people are standing over there, and we and they expect to, you know what I mean. So like, some of it isn't. Um, 
And I'm, I don't think for a second that they would be silly enough to try to do that no. at all. I think that everything's going to be very production and top notch there. Um, but that being said, it's like, yeah, how do you stand out but also be familiar enough for fans of wrestling to be into it and at the same time not come off as WWE. A knockoff. A knockoff, exactly. Yep. So, uh, so, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Uh, going back into some more history of uh, 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 early competitors of WWE, number seven. Seven. The USWA. So it was founded in 1989. Look at that Stone Cold Steve that Austin. That's, right that's the stunning and Steve his, Austin. I think his first wife. Um, so you had Jerry Jarrett. And uh, Fritz von Erich, mm-hmm. um, WCCW's Fritz von Erich, joining forces um, to f- try to create a promotion that could compete on a national level. So WCW is already a thing, um, which was just out of the time when it sort of, it was a year after Turner bought WCW. Mm-hmm. And they felt that there was room in the national wrestling landscape for another promotion. For another promotion. Um, but still, they focused most of their shows. In Dallas and Memphis. Yeah. Pretty so pretty much, much you yeah. took you were taking the Dallas territory, WCCW, the Von mm-hmm. Eric territory. World class. Taking uh, Jerry Jarrett's Memphis territory where Lawler was top guy forever mm-hmm. and just putting them together into one larger territory and hoping via syndication and a, uh, a TV deal with ESPN, they could spread nationally. Yeah. However, uh, a year later, Fritz Von Eric pulled out. Yeah. And then uh, two years after that, uh, they started working with WWF. Yeah. Town exchanges. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this was kind of interesting. They, they ended up being sort of an early feeder system, uh, or early in the early 90s, uh, a feeder, uh, a farm system, if you will, for the WWF because they had guys like uh, like you saw in the thumbnail or in the little picture there. Steve Austin was there. Uh, Undertaker was there. Uh, uh, Rock was there. Flex Cavana. Flex Cavana, that was his name. Uh, and of course, Glenn Jacobs was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he was the, they helped develop him into Kane after... Uh, being fake diesel and a dentist. Um, Isaac Yankum, DDS. Uh, one of the interesting things about this was, uh, so according to, to, to uh, not just uh, uh, Jerry Jarrett, but a couple other sort, a couple other people have said this, Vince McMahon was looking to bring him in, and Bruce Pritchard apparently, who has no love for Jerry Jarrett, also says this isn't true. Yeah. But uh, Jerry Jarrett and a couple other people claim that uh, Jarrett was brought in uh, around 94 or so uh, as the person who might actually run WWF if Vince was in prison. Now, obviously, you have access to phones when you're in prison, so Vince probably, it would have been all running through Jerry Jarrett to the right. He'd probably be like yes. a manager, like yes. a high-level manager. Yes. But, uh, you know, if he was if he was savvy enough, maybe uh, USWA. I mean, they, they had several syndicated TV deals. Yeah. In fact, there was some sort of scandal involving somebody coming in trying to buy the company. So Jerry Jarrett sold his half of the company to Jerry Lawler for about a quarter of a million dollars. Um, and then this is all from some article about uh, the USWA. It's kind of interesting. I'll link this in the description too. Um, it says, around this time, a businessman, a businessman in quotes, Named Larry Burton wanted to purchase a portion of the USWA from Lawler with plans to sell it and all of its properties to Vince for around $6 million. Uh, Burton brought in a Cleveland businessman named Mark Selker to invest in the USWA and buy a stake in it. Uh, he put in $2 million to it. Uh, he was also, the Selker guy was also under the impression that USWA was a big deal because it had a bunch of TV deals. 
Uh, wow. After a while, Jerry Jarrett decided to walk away. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, that led to a bunch of, uh, I'm sorry, that just led to a bunch of like lawsuits. And stuff. Yeah. The article goes on. You can read it yourself. But yeah, so that was like a big mess. But, you know, if Jerry Jarrett had such a close relationship with Vince McMahon, which it seemed like he did, and the WWF, if Vince McMahon ended up going to prison, who knows what would have happened? Yeah, Pritchard seems to think that Vince still would have run the company from jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had he gone there, whereas other people have said no that Jerry Jarrett was kind of being groomed to take the the the, the role of chairman mm-hmm. or not chairman at the time, but CEO, whatever the case may be. Yeah, president probably, while Vince would be uh, serving his time. Maybe twenty years later, instead of getting NXT as the farm system, could have been USWA. USWA, and then that could have been a true third brand. And everybody be talking about USWA takeovers. USWA. USWA. <laughs> exactly. Or if you simply go back, if, you know, whatever revenue issues there were between Fritz von Erich and Jerry Jarrett were settled, maybe they would have had a proper expansion into the country. Well, and, and also you got to so often when when promoters who were experienced promoting shows in the territory days tried to work together. Mm-hmm. It was generally always short-lived. Yeah, you want to talk about Pro Wrestling USA now? No, we're going to talk wait for, in the <laughs> AWA section for that. Because these guys were involved in that yep. too. Yep, yep. So, um, so it's 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 interesting to see in the face of uh, basically extinction, mm-hmm. they still couldn't find a way to work yeah. together. And literally, I think it was two months later, WCCW folded. Mm-hmm. Two months later. Mm-hmm. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I mean, maybe they're, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. But yeah. Moving on. Number six. Six. The AWA. Yeah, we're going to talk about it right now. So AWA had been around forever, 1960, in fact. Uh, Vern Gagne mm-hmm. started the promotion because he wanted to make himself a champion. <laughs> um, because everybody around the world wants to see a balding middle-aged I know. guy as a champion. <laughs> um, well, it worked for Hogan, I guess. Yeah, I know. But, but Gagne truly looked like somebody's dad. Yeah, I know. He totally looked like a dad. Yeah, I know. But apparently he ran like a pretty intense uh, uh, wrestling school because mm-hmm. Flair talks about that mm-hmm. in his documentary where they had to spend the whole day like carrying people upstairs and stuff yeah. like that to yeah. get, get in wrestling shape, essentially. Yeah, that bit of the Flair documentary is pretty crazy. Yeah, where the people are passed out in the stairwell from carrying people up and down the stairs. Right, right, that's right. In- that's insane. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's, it's AWA maybe more than any promotion that comes to mind was hit the hardest when it came to WWF and Vince going to all the territories and taking their top talent because they lost Hogan, they lost uh, Heenan, mm-hmm. they lost uh, 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 Mean Gene. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see, who else? Uh, Adrian Adonis, Ken Patera, 
Windy Richter, Jesse Ventura. Um, so they got hit real bad, like yeah. pretty much most of their top guys. And that's just kind of the first wave. That was the first wave. Then there was guys like Scott Hall, Mr. Perfect. Yeah, Kerr Hennig. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can go on and on. Um, yeah. I mean, it seemed like AWA was really good developing talent. Um, and then, you know, I guess an inadvertent feeder system. AWA, AWA. AWA. Uh, AWA. Inadvertent feeder system for WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, around the time that uh, Vince started taking things national, um, you had a lot of the, the, the rival territorial promoters um, saying, all right, we got to work together to counter Vince and WWF. So what was what, what happened then was Pro Wrestling USA, <laughs> short-lived, lasted a year. This is between Jerry Lawler. Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett, who both did Continental Wrestling Association. Vern. Uh, Ole Anderson of Georgia Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett Promotions. And I think if you watch... The AWA documentary that's on the network, they talk about this. Mm, okay. I believe. Anyways, so they did a, a, a super show, which I guess is kind of the heyday of Pro Wrestling USA called Super Class. Yeah. Super Clash. Took place in Chicago at Comiskey Field, uh, late September 1985, about 21,000 people. Had Ric Flair versus Magnum TA for the NWA World Championship. Mm-hmm. And Rick Martell versus Stan Hansen. Uh, for the AWA championship. Which one Which one did Lawler... Lawler had the AWA title at one point. Okay, okay. Um, and I guess they actually ran... They had TV tapings in New Jersey. Oh, wow. Pro Wrestling USA did. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, by 85, no one got along, especially Vern and uh, Jim Crockett. Thing broke up, and then eventually all the Pro Wrestling USA shows were, were re, uh, repackaged as AWA shows mm-hmm. going forward. But it was still a cyclical thing where they developed talent like the Rockers. Scott Hall, you mentioned earlier. Uh, Vader spent some time in AWA. And so much Nasty of Nasty boys. We mentioned Rick Martel. Again, another guy that eventually went to WWE. So much of those shows can be found on the WWE Network. Mm-hmm. Like their, their vault section on the WWE Network is a fascinating look. Yeah. At territory wrestling, at all the regions. Oh, yeah. They have so much there. And things got so bad for AWA, they put the belt on Larry Sabisco. <laughs> <laughs> Was he running around Vern Gagne's backyard? 89, yeah. They um, found him at, at Lake Minnetonka. Um, <laughs> 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 it's like Vern was looking at his, his very valuable piece of land <laughs> by the lake, ran to Larry Zabisco. Hi. Hey, hey, hey. I keep this out of evident domain. I know Bruno. <laughs> um, but at, at this time, I think in the late 80s, AWA had, uh, they moved their, their TV tapings, I believe, to the Showboat Casino mm. in Las Vegas. And they were ha- they had a show on ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Um, ESPN took in a lot. ESPN they had uh, USWA. Mm-hmm. They had GF- GWF, not GFW, wasn't it? No, GWF. Sorry, yes, GWF. GFW is is Baby Jarrett's thing. Oh, there Global you go. Force Wrestling. This was GWF. Yes, yes, sorry, yeah. It's all very confusing. It is all very confusing. Um, this is an interesting little uh, bit because one of the many people who went through AWA on their way to other promotions was Eric Bischoff. Yeah. And so he was appeared in this documentary called The Spectacular Legacy of the AWA. And he talks, is that the one that's on the network? I know they did an a, a AWA yeah. documentary. I don't know if that's the same one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but he talks about how probably Vern. I don't remember this bit, though. Yeah, I don't either. I kind of do. Okay. Vern had this hunk of property uh, near Lake Minnetonka 
I guess was worth a pretty penny. And so it seems like he was borrowing money against that yeah. to keep the promotion afloat. Yeah. But anyway, there were some developers and, and some, some uh, officials locally who wanted to develop it. And uh, eventually, it, it got it, it got eminent domained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he didn't have a very valuable piece of land to leverage um, to pr- to fund his promotion. Therefore, AWA went away. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, it's the kind of thing where it, it it's it's a couple things. Number one, if I think some of these, you know, regional promoters, some of these territories. Were content being territories, and they were fine because it, it was a tradition thing. Oh, and also, I'm sure the business was great. It was be exactly, yeah. What you know, but then a shark like Vince comes along. Vince Junior comes along. I'm going to buy up TV time. I mean, in the case of well, we'll talk about it when we get to Jim Crockett. But man, Vince was ruthless when it came yep. to like counter programming yep. and just torpedoing stuff. Yep. I mean, thank God he wanted to put Jim Crockett out of business because we got the Royal Rumble because of that. Anyways, moving on. Number five. Five. Ring of Honor. Oh, I want that Kevin Steen shirt. Yeah, that's a good looking shirt right there. I mean, really, it's that's an El Generico shirt. <laughs> I don't know if it's a flattering one, though. Because it's his head on a chair. Yeah, I know, but it's just his head. That's the issue. Anyways, Ring of Honor is why I think it's a Kevin Steen shirt. We love Ring of Honor. We do love Ring of Honor. So many, so many great stars come from Ring of Honor and mm-hmm. then achieve higher success. Again, in WWE. an inadvertent feeder system for WWE these days. ROH, ROH. Yeah, so much so that Ring of Honor started sending like cease and desist to WWE. Yeah. For, you know, stop talking to our people and they're under contract. Yeah, I think it was the Kyle O'Reilly. That was like last year. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I mean, when was, Ring of Honor was bought by Sinclair? 2011. 2011. And just recently, I think uh, some executive at Sinclair even to this day, admits they don't put enough money into it. Well, yeah. Sinclair is huge. It's yeah. a massive media company. Yeah. With like stations all over the friggin' probably planet, but definitely the United States. Um, so they could sink a ton of money in the Ring of Honor. Yeah. Like it kind of makes me wonder with the all elite wrestling thing if that might happen. If, if Sinclair might be like, well, geez. I mean, it, it, it is always, it's felt like Sinclair hasn't really cared too much about like it's like you know what, what do we care about ring of honor you know, yeah no put it just seems like another thing in their it. portfolio yeah right like i don't really even get the relationship like why would they have bought ring of i honor? wonder if it's a situation similar to how anthem bought impact where they needed programming for their networks that could be but and then they own they own like lo- they buy local tv and they stations. don't at least out here they don't put ring of honor on those here networks. in sacramento they don't i i still kind of wonder if that's an outlier yeah, if probably. If they do it like in all the, in a lot of the other markets, could be. I don't and then know. for a while, Ring of Honor was on destination here in the states. That's right. It was Impact, and then it was Ring of Honor back yeah. to back. Um, but yeah, I mean, so much great talent has gone through Ring of Honor, going back as far as Daniel Bryan, Mojo, CM Punk, Kevin Steen, El Generico. Mm-hmm. List goes on and on. Yeah. Adam Cole, Bebe, Bebe. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. So- pretty much. At this point, half of NXT. So, uh, Carrie Silken, the Ring of Honor owner up till 2011, mm-hmm. I think, well, yeah, mm-hmm. Sinclair mm-hmm. um, said, had this to say in that same article that spoke mainly about Lucha Underground. Uh, he said, uh, I tried my best saying about his efforts to establish Ring of Honor beyond its cult base. I was giving it my best shot. I was doing it with sincerity. Even though I knew there was the attrition of losing guys, other guys would rise and some would come back. But nobody is ever going to get the best of Vince McMahon. If you went to a WWE show, any WWE show, 
whether it's a WrestleMania or a house show in Kentucky, and you asked about Ring of Honor, maybe 5% of the people would know about it. They're not on these websites. It's a tiny world. Now, <clears throat> even that this article was written five years ago, there's been a pretty big sea change in the independent oh, yeah, wrestling yeah, yeah. since then. So, but you know, as of five years ago, that was that was his state of mind when it came mm-hmm. to to Ring of Honor and, and you know how he gave it his his best go to try to build it beyond its cult status. Mm-hmm. These days, things might be a little bit different. Well, we just, we just saw to, the last couple of years where Ring of Honor had their best years in terms of attendance. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I exactly. think they, they were averaging well, well, not well over, but over a thousand fans per show. They had their largest show ever. Um, Supercard of Honor this last year. And the fact that WWE acknowledges Ring of Honor, they've used some Ring of Honor footage before. Looks like they use a ton of that <clears throat> Nigel McGuinness uh, document, documentary that's up today. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, is that up today or tomorrow? Saturday, yeah. Sat- oh, yeah, today. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I will guarantee, you know, a heck of a lot more than 5% of the WWE audience knows about Ring of oh, Honor yeah. now. It's oh, going to yeah. be a, probably 95% of that audience. At least it's heard of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it'll, it's kind of interesting, though, just to see, you know, if All Elite Wrestling, if their emergence, if they get a good TV deal, yeah. if that would turn ahead at Sinclair and be like, man, if we pump more money into this and we become players simply by virtue of paying people a bunch of money and competing with WWE and All Elite Wrestling, can we get something similar? Can we do our own thing? Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm not, I really, really, really appreciate Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Its presentation isn't necessarily my thing. Like I've watched a couple of their T like weekly TV shows and the wrestling is always stellar. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's like freaking, it's like 205 live. Like the wrestling is always stellar. Um, it's just, I, I don't find it terribly compelling. I'm kind of interested in their rebuild, though, because I really love Jeff Cobb. Yeah, Jeff like Cobb's Mark great. Mark Haskins. I'm yeah, interested yeah. in PCO. Brody King's good. Brody King is, is yeah, I really like him. And they him. still have Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I am kind of, it, it is going to be very interesting. They're another company that's going to be very interesting to see where they end up mm-hmm. two or three years from now yeah. or even a yeah. year from Let's now. Let's see how they can follow up on the uh, success of G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden. Right, Probably exactly, weekend, yeah. sold out pretty much instantly. Yeah, that is going to be very interesting right there. Number four. Four. TNA. Oh, look at that. Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles. Just probably a top-notch match Heck happening yeah, man. right there. Look, they, look had, they had the ingredients, man. They really did. They had a wealth, a wealth of yeah. young, up-and-coming talent with just enough uh, well-known veterans to get people to watch the show. Man. And they decided to go way overboard with the well-known veterans. Yeah. And focus on them, Hogan. Um and it probably torpedoed the product. Probably. I mean, so Meltzer said in the newsletter, I think it was when today when he was talking about All Elite Wrestling, he said, TNA has always lost money except for a brief period where they broke even. <laughs> I'm sure it was probably 2000. and well, Maybe it was the Hogan times. I don't know. But, uh, but I, I did look this up a couple days ago. Um, TNA's best ratings, uh, they reached 2.2 million viewers when Hulk Hogan debuted, um, which seemed it's so it's one of those funny things where it's like, man, Hogan can get us that many views, but it's Hogan and you know what you get with him, meaning he'll probably spell the end of the, you know, the beginning of the end for your company. Mm-hmm. Because what happened when he came in, they started de-emphasizing the younger talent. All of a sudden you got, you know, more Ric Flair matches 
And AJ Styles, even in an interview, said, yeah, they didn't really know who we were. Mm-hmm. And they all of a sudden were in charge, like mm-hmm. Bischoff and Hogan, which and is then Russo terrible. as well. And then Russo at a certain point as well. So, um, and then they decided to try to compete on Monday nights against Raw. And every, I remember Booker T mentioning that. He was like, dude, I was like, what are they, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But talk about, like you said, having all the ingredients. And if you look back at clips from TNA back in like 2005, 2006, 2007, those crowds were hot. They really, really loved guys like Joe Daniels and uh, and AJ and Bobby Roode, Austin Aries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, low key, I think, was there for a spell. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, they really loved. Well, for a while, look, he was there for a while. Uh, they really loved those guys. They were great, great stars. Xavier Woods, you yeah. know, was there. Yeah. He came up there. Those X Division matches. Um, what was that dude's name? Elix Skipper. Oh yeah, Elix that Skip. spot off the top of the cage. Yeah, was insane. Yeah, was one of the craziest spots ever. Um, of course, that's where the much later. That's where the broken stuff went down. Mm-hmm. But they had the ingredients. It was just whether it was the business or they just didn't. It's so difficult, man. We're going to talk about WCW obviously later in the episode. Yeah, but. WWF during the Attitude Era, they kind of, you know, because of the new generation, Vince, I mean, you got to kind of, Vince went all in on that new generation, you know? It's like, let's sweep out. Savage wanted to stay, and he said, no, you're out. Yeah. And he went all in on his young talent. Yeah. Sink or swim, you know? Unfortunately, he didn't package or market market his new product in any way correctly. Right, but eventually for the attitude he realized, yes. man, I can't do things the old way. I have to come and up with maybe the new way. He couldn't he wouldn't have been comfortable doing the attitude era stuff if he hadn't gone through the process of the new generation. But trying to manage because you look at WCW, you look at TNA, which is what we're talking about right now. And the parallels between that and WCW are so are so oh, evident. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because how do you properly manage to get your young guys over using your veteran talent, knowing that veteran talent they like to stay on top. Yeah. Nobody likes to pass the torch unless you have nothing left to do and you have plenty of money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes to pass that torch. Well, I, you know, Sting was in TNA for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have a problem putting other younger guys over. I think he probably put plenty of people yeah. over. But like, you know, one guy, you know, it's like, and on top of that, on top of that, it's not necessarily, it's not just dealing with egos. Creatively, how do you do it? to elevate those young guys to the point where you really believe their main event level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When Jericho was in WCW, we loved him. We loved oh, yeah. him so much. Oh, yeah. But creatively, if he was up there in a program with... I mean, he wanted to do a program with Goldberg, and they and they wouldn't let him do it. Goldberg is actually a really good example of a guy who... A young guy who, like, was believable on the main event level. Mm-hmm. Um, but could, like, could anybody have taken... What WCW's product was, which was spotlighting veterans, Hall, Nash, Hogan, Sting, Flair, and bring guys like Raven, Benoit, uh, Dean Malenko, Booker T, Booker T, Scott Steiner, up to that main event level in a realistic way where you're like, man, I'm tuning in to see those guys. It seemed like uh, it, there was instances where they were, but then nothing would really ever happen. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have someone like DDP, right? Who, granted, yeah. wasn't young; he was thirty-five. And before Savage was, was happy putting him over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where everybody saw something in him. I mean, granted, he was friends with, you know, Hall and Nash and mm-hmm. a lot of those guys, so that probably helped. Yeah. Uh, no, that's actually a very, very good point because all it took was 
All you're right, man. All it took was one really, really good feud where the veteran wanted to put the guy over and make mm-hmm. him look good. Mm-hmm. And from then on, you believe DDP is a main event oh, guy totally, totally. in WCW. Yeah, because Savage had that cachet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was former champion both in WWF and WCW. But I guess my main point is it, it probably isn't easy, even creatively speaking, to take to take your young guys and say, okay, let's believably put them in the main event spot. And I know plenty of like Bob Roode, Austin Aries, all those guys, they held the big belt. Mm-hmm. But it's like, obviously... Did they, ever have, did they ever topple Hogan to get their Sting or Flair or any of those yeah, other guys? I yeah. don't think so. And, I mean, you know, were the ratings there to sort of prove it out? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, did they... It, it's one thing to give them the title. It's another thing to... You need you need the proof in the pudding, and that's the ratings. Yeah. You know, you need to... you need They need to be draws, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so yeah, they, they were never able to really put that together... And they they made some you know questionable decisions oh, business yes. wise, um, and then they just sort of I mean they're still around their impact yeah somehow somehow so, some way they're still around yeah uh, anyways moving on number three three New Japan Pro Wrestling now they just sort of started trying to compete last year <laughs> after being, pretty much being around for a very long time yeah i mean they're the wwe of japan basically oh yeah they're yeah the they're biggest the thing second in largest promotion in the world yeah exactly um so but you know in terms of competing for wwe you know they, they've been able to compete in in some ways um i mean you know the, the they've captured uh to some degree the the, the zeitgeist of the wrestling world with oh, yeah. bullet club merchandise yeah, yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. yeah building the young bucks and kenny to this like you know superstar status um and then, you know, coming over here to the United States and, you know, being able to draw crowds that probably could have in their initial thing. I think they probably could have sold out 10,000 easily. Oh, the first show? Their first yeah. show. The first two shows, I should say, yeah. They decided to, to run 1,500. Yeah, like 2,000, you know, over, yeah. over two days. Yeah. Um, so. But I think more than just New Japan trying to come over here and make headway in the North American market, they are actively competing with WWE for talent. Yes, sure. Yeah. So we've heard they were both, both WWE and, and New Japan were in talks with Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. We hear uh, uh, that uh, New Japan would be interested in bringing back some of the talents who had already left to go to WWE, like Gallows and Anderson, like Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. And even maybe AJ Styles. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that if, if we didn't, if you didn't think of them as competition, you wouldn't think that's realistic, mm-hmm. you know, but we do feel it's realistic. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, they'd go there. I mean, Chris Jericho, that was a huge, yep. huge deal. Yep. And that was like, oh, man, a guy from WWE who's a WWE mainstay can go there, be very successful. And, uh, you know, you got to give it up to Jericho, who's just completely ahead of his time. Oh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, New Japan. Uh, they have they have a quality product and they have the resources mm-hmm. to compete with WWE. Yeah. What do you think it would take for them to start getting to the level where WWE? I mean, WWE probably already. Obviously, they, you know, they. What do you think it would take for that for people to see to think of New Japan the way they thought of WCW back in the day? Bigger TV deal for one thing. Yeah. Bigger deal than Access. Yeah. I think there's probably I mean some uh, these days maybe not. These days maybe not. Losing here's the thing. They need they need the the representation that Bullet Club provided for English speaking audiences, I think is a necessity. I know they've got plenty of guys there like Juice Robinson. You got Switchblade. Uh, you got, you know, hopefully, 
I mean, that's one thing for New Japan is that hopefully Kenny will be able to still work there if mm-hmm. he signed with mm-hmm. AEW. Mm-hmm. And because Kenny was vital to their westward expansion. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Jericho and Jericho, apparently part of his deal is he gets to still work with New Japan. Mm-hmm. But uh, you need those guys who, you know, can 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 speak the language that's primarily spoken over here. Um, I think you, you kind of need that if you're going to have if you're going to continue to have a successful westward expansion. Yes. So, I mean, dude, I love Okada. I think he's he like is the best, best wrestler in the he world. He is the best. Uh, Naito, one of the best wrestlers in the mm-hmm. world. But Tanahashi, go ace. But if you want to bring in new fans, you know, the elite, that was how you did it. You know, that's totally how they did it. So they need to keep on reloading. They need to keep on bringing people over from WWE to restock uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for that aspect of yeah. their expansion. Yeah. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Number two. two. Jim Crockett Promotions. That's a heck of a blazer and mustache there in Tony Schiavone. Dude, he looks like a million bucks Man, right there. You want to grow is- a mustache like that? Oh, pfft. Easily, that'd be great. Let's do it. Let's grow a mustache. Oh, you're gonna have a mustache. You need to grow a mustache. Yeah, man. I don't know if that's happening. Anyways, Jim Crocker Promotions. Uh, talk about so this. They really start competing after the whole pro wrestling USA thing kind of didn't work. Yeah. So what happened is is Crockett bought out Ole Anderson, mm-hmm. uh, his territory, Georgia. Georgia, and then he was uh, reelected president of the National Wrestling Alliance. Um, and so uh, he kind of consolidated the power as he could under him um, to try to run a national promotion mm-hmm. best of his ability well still roughly within the confines of the territory system yeah um, so he had more or less control of the NWA title it was on Ric Flair all the time mm-hmm. um, and and so is, is this interesting battle then between um, Crockett who was running on TBS he got mm-hmm. that uh, they got the t- uh, Saturday night time Yeah, they slot, got the yeah. NWA, I guess I was going to say. I got the time slot back. It was Georgia Championship Wrestling when Vince bought it out on Black Saturday. And then it completely got killed because, because the people, the viewers, they wanted their they wanted their Georgia Championship Wrestling. All of a sudden, one day, imagine like watching WWE, all of a sudden, one day, it's a bunch of people that you've never heard of, have no idea what's going on, storylines are completely different, and it's like, wait, I wanted to watch SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. That's what happened. So they're back on TBS. We think your wrestling is passe. <laughs> Imagine if you dropped that. He should have dropped that. <laughs> um, 
And so there's this interesting battle going on throughout the mid-late 80s between Jim Crockett and Vince of counter of programming and counter-programming to essentially screw over the other promoter. <laughs> so uh, was it the first Starcade or something? I oh. think, yeah. Oh, no, Star- 80, Starcade 87, uh, which used to take place Thanksgiving weekend, around mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Um, that's why we have Survivor Series. Yes. Just stick it at yeah. Crockett. And so Crockett started running Clash of Champions to counter first, I think, WrestleMania 4 or 5. And then he, it was it was on free. 4, yeah. It was on free uh, basic cables mm-hmm. on, on TBS. TBS. Yeah. And so they'd run that counter to WrestleMania. And I think it, pretty much from there on out, they'd always have a Clash of Champions on for a while, a Clash of Champions on versus a WWE, WWF pay-per-view. Yeah. Yeah. And then one, yeah, bec- yeah, the, the Thanksgiving thing. So uh, oh, yeah, Crockett here. decided to move Starcade's starting time to Thanksgiving afternoon, not evening. The WWF then threatened cable companies if they chose to air Starcade at all, the WWF would not offer them any future pay-per-views, including the soon-to-come Survivor Series and next year's Mania 4. Um, That's insane. So that, wow. And then WWF had the first Royal Rumble on USA, again, free, to go up against a, 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 a Crockett uh, pay-per-view bunkhouse stampede. Um, then, yeah, for WrestleMania four and the first Clash of Champions. When it was all said and done, though, all this back and forth, back and forth programming, counter-programming, uh, it basically just left uh, uh, Crockett bankrupt. Yeah. So he sold Jim Crockett Productions to Ted Turner in November of 1988, um, and uh, it was renamed first to Universal Wrestling Corporation, which is a crap name, and, and then, then they changed it WCW. to WCW. 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 Yeah. And then uh, 1988, uh, we got uh, the Turner Broadcasting System, WCW, number one. One. WCW. WCW. There it is. Uh, they actually did compete with WWF. Yeah, they were actually were winning. They were actually winning for they were winning. three straight weeks. They were winning. They the won. Of Eric Bischoff's podcast. They won. They got Lex Luger. They Whoever gets Luger wins. That's what it is. Whoever gets Luger wins. Right? Not right. Yeah. Well, they got Hogan. They got really that was they weird, have. right? Hogan like left. He was going to retire. And they were like, no, he was come busy back. making a TV show in WCW. WCW yeah. said, here's WC- a bunch of money. What was that show? Thunder, Thunder in Paradise. Pa- yeah, Thunder in Paradise. Thunder in Paradise. So, yeah, they totally did compete. Uh, they showed that it could happen. Thanks be- to the NWO. Mm hmm. Yep. And then uh, Vince McMahon was like, man, I really need to actually be creative and stuff and be with the times. Be with the times. So uh, he did the Attitude Era. And that worked, and then WCW went out of business. Because they were horribly mismanaged. Everybody was there, a lot of people there with enormously bloated contracts. They had the, the favored nation <laughs> clause in there where someone came in and made more money than them. Ooh, that's a their, tag team name we should use. What, favored nation? For like WCW. Okay. Fun. So they, their, 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 their contract would go up. They're always, in, they're always in contract negotiations against themselves. I know. So like some hot free agents on the market and, and yeah. Kevin Nash calls or Scott Hall or Parley Hogan calls <laughs> and says, brother, <laughs> what kind of numbers are you floating around? <laughs> and then they'll tell him, it's like, oh, go for 15% more, brother. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that, that he'd have to get his salary would match. <laughs> if not best that. Probably best it. Best yeah, it by 10%. Best it. Exactly. Um, 
And there was no, there was no, there's no vision. Yeah, there no was, vision, there was no, no discipline. Vision, and there were no consequences for locking people in closets, like allegedly Hall and Nash did to Eric Bischoff when he fired X Pac. Imagine if someone tried to lock Vince in the closet. <laughs> that ain't happening. He'd throw down right there. He would probably murder that person yeah. on the spot. But maybe Bischoff got his revenge by trying to make uh, the NWO a, a biker gang <laughs> yeah. who rode on the back of garbage trucks for some yeah. reason. You're going to put me in a closet? Fine. Hey, today we're going to ride on the back of garbage trucks. We're going to show up to the pay per view in some new, new transportation. Oh, some Hummer limos or something cool oh, like that. 30, it's 30 degrees Fahrenheit outside? Yeah, you're going to ride on... Back uh, of a garbage truck. <laughs> what? What? It was so confusing. Yeah, you're going to be a biker gang from now on. Mm, yeah. None of us ride motorcycles. Yeah. Eric. Well, you can ride garbage trucks. I'll ride a motorcycle. I have a leather jacket at home. Look, my shirt's tucked into my dad jeans. <laughs> We're cool, aren't we? Can we get Zabisco on the NWO? No. What about Dusty? Okay. Um, so yeah, W they actually did compete with WWF and then because they tried to do that, they, they went out of business. Well then, yeah, too much money being spent. They well, brought really, it through so creatively it, it was already in bad shape and just went even further. further well, yeah, but here's the thing, like Bishop was on the precipice of buying it. And then one dude at time Warner after the merger decided they didn't, he didn't want, I don't want wrestling on TV. I think it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, so they, like, if, 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 one, if that one guy was a big mark for Ric Flair, WCW yeah, might, might still have, be around might have, today. Might have survived. Or if any other television uh, network was willing to bring on wrestling. But again, back then, the advertisers didn't believe in it. Um, and I wonder if that was the reason why they didn't want it, why that dude didn't, or the Eric something, didn't want it on TV. Oh, because the advertiser dollars wasn't. Maybe. I mean, especially when they're, I think granted at that point in 2001, you know, they were, I don't know how much, how underwater they were in terms of bloated contracts. Oh, if you, yeah, if you look at their, uh, would, didn't, didn't they lose like $60 million in a year at Probably. one point or something there's, like that? There's no amount of ad revenue that's going to make up for that. <laughs> yeah, you look at that on your books. Well, want, Super you know. Bowl, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's how it goes. But uh, anyway, but even in their boom period, I don't think they were they were like making money. I think they were always losing money. Like yeah. you said, bloated contracts. Yep. You know. Yep. So, uh, but anyways, it's I mean, it's also like it like I said, creatively, it's a tough thing to get to get you know young talent over to the point where they're drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, WWF at the time managed to he, do it wonderfully. They just knew how to do it. They yeah. just they knew how to do it, and basically, it's because all they had to work with was young talent. So yeah, yeah. Once, that's, that's once what Brent they was out the door, with. yeah, exactly. It was just Undertaker, pretty much. Just Undertaker, exactly. Was a real holdover. Oh, to a certain degree, Shawn Michaels, but he kind of got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before the Attitude Era really kicked off under Stone Cold's watched. Yeah. So, anyways, fun episode of Countout. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. I'm sure we got some facts wrong, but whatever. It's kind of our thing. Thanks for watching so much. Till next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now 
All you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.